now here we are. <laughs> and we decided this is, uh, remind me of the title. We're, that was weird. That was weird. So at the end of episode one, I realized we said it was weird. It was weird. But later we were talking about it as that was weird. Yeah. And I feel like that feels better for a title. I think so too. For me personally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I think that was weird. I don't know. Why does it imply to me more of like a shared remembrance of a thing than it was weird, right? That yeah. was weird. It's like, it's, we're both saying like, we just witnessed that and it, that was weird. Totally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We finished watching it and yeah. our takeaway is that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. I like it. Cool. So this is That Was Weird episode two. That Was Weird episode two, focusing on D- Despicable Me and Despicable Me 3. That was weird. That was weird. That was weird. That was weird. I didn't realize how vast the Despicable Me universe is and how expanding, like the Minions and one came out in 2022. Like, oh my gosh, I've got catch up to play here. Yeah, I feel like the Minions were one of those highly marketable little explosions like Elmo, Mm -hmm. where it's like, I don't know, like we made a little yellow, like spherical shape and suddenly everyone wanted to buy it and like people are obsessed with them and they love them and so, once you have something that's that lovable and, and marketable, marketable. <laughs> then then there's no end to the movies that yes. will exist. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I to maybe riff a little bit on the like thesis that you were unpacking last time. Mm-hmm. There did feel like a little uh, vibe of that in the Despicable Me Three. Um, I remembered like there was a sequence where the minions go on American Idol. Yeah. And they see they uh, crash the production studio to do it, right? So they break mm-hmm. in, and then they, I I don't remember the specific response, but like I think it was impressive. They, they were impressive. everyone loved them. Yes, yeah. and then they're taken to prison. Yep. And then when they're in prison, they like become this gang, this organized gang. Yep. That it just it felt like it so perfectly reinforced what you were saying. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And like it, it did feel. Like, it, it was clear that the people who they were interacting with in prison were intentionally d- diverse racially, mm-hmm. although I would say predominantly white, but there were a couple of black prisoners who were human, but the way that it had that, the, like, gang feeling, just, like, it was very tribal, and yeah. it felt like the way that, like, racial breakdowns work in prisons. Yeah, so, yeah. I know, I was actually... I mean, I guess I had known it from <clears throat> from seeing things about like prisons and whatnot. But one of my yoga teachers has just started working at San Quentin because her partner was incarcerated, and they're both now like deep Buddhist practitioners. Um, and she's actually uh, finished like I don't know that she's a Buddhist nun, but she finished like yeah, yeah, yeah. a particular like she's really uh-huh. deep in it, and so she's doing a program. And she says, you know, 
outside of prison, we don't think about this as much, but inside it is completely racially segregated. Yeah. You just go and you're with your racial group. Yeah. And, and you know, this is tangential, but saying like being able to practice with everyone and just everyone got a mat and like, that's not happening in this space. Like they even have right. separate TVs for different racial groups. Wow, that's insane. Because they cannot share and be have the same. That's crazy. So then for her to be like, we're going to come in this room and we're going to yeah. practice together and people lay down their mat and they do. And they do these vulnerable yes. positions and breath work. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. So I, I was oh, reminded of that as I was watching Despicable yeah. Me 3. <laughs> yeah. Which felt like not that world. Not that world at all. <laughs> Although prison being turned cutesy with the minions is such a weird thing. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that happens in quite a few. I was thinking about the um, Paddington Bear yes, prison you're right. stuff. Yes, you're right. Like, yes. it's weird that we put prison in kids' movies and make it seem like Animals this kind of... Or... Like, it's not, it's not great, but it's like kind of a fun, collective. Yeah. yeah. The, the, that. <laughs> cute like animated other brings the people in the prison together yeah. it's like some weird utopian vision or desire yeah. you know yeah. and then with their songs and their escape efforts yeah. which and I, I just I feel really sorry for there's all these moments when the minion when one or two or a couple minions are like sacrificed um, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like, oh, well, it's fine. Like they're all kind of the same. And like, you know, what's the moving right they, along? Like it's... Gru knows their names, but right. like no one else does. Yeah. And like, there's the one who was like helping the prison escape balloon go. He mm-hmm. was like the air traffic controller. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was like, wait, like they left him. Yeah. And then like in the, in one, there's the gravity device. Was that in yes, one? Yes. Um, oh, yeah, to get the moon. Yes. And, like, the Dr. Nefario comes up with the, like, anti-gravity serum. And yeah. then the, they he, like, forgets to close the skylight. And the minion's just, like, out floating around in space. And it's just like, whoops, he'll be yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, there's a weird disposability of yeah. them. Yeah, that's sure. very disturbing. Ugh. And then in three, when, like, all of them leave, but then the other the two, two come in. Ha- that are left because they didn't know what was happening. Right. And there was, like, a revolt. And then he's like, you've been promoted. And I'm yeah. happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it feels like they're just kind of these lovable, zany characters that aren't very intelligent. But then at mm-hmm. the same time, they do all of this, like, invention building work they do right. all of that work so that it's not that they're they're like unintelligent sure you know it's like a weird dissonance and in on. three he even says i miss the minions yeah when his brother is not up yeah. to par right yeah. exactly like they exactly the way that they are posed as competent to show his incompetence yeah. is interesting yeah mm-hmm. even though they're like goofy and they make messes and like they get scolded you know because yeah. they're misbehaving in those like zany childish ways mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of like having both at once mm-hmm. right which I don't know it kind of feels like even though we're talking about just one racial group here it kind of feels like the racial triangulation that we talk about in our first unit in Hamlet where it's like well, if we have a if we have a model minority who's like doing the job well, then that enables you to like look down on or treat poorly another minority group. Um, like comparing, yeah, the labor or the competencies always keeps 
basically just keeps reinforcing white supremacy. Right. Like, it's kind of like, oh, in any moment, one person might benefit from that and one person might not. But, like, it's really just designed to keep everyone right. <laughs> down. Right. Relationally. Yeah. yeah. These worlds are pretty white. The Despicable Me world is very white. Although I was noticing there are definitely more black human characters in one and three than there are in two. Which is interesting. Peripheral, always very marginal peripheral characters. Because two felt so about race to me. Yeah. And the minions were so racialized in that one. Yeah. Um, but in one, I noticed at the dance school mm-hmm. when um, they're learning, they're getting ready for their Swan Lake thing, and there's all these white moms on the bench, and then there's this one mom who's like twice as large as the rest of them, mm-hmm. and just like looks like this huge hulking, like diff- different species, like yeah. looks so different yeah. from the other moms, and she's like half partway cut out of the frame, most yeah. of it, and then at the end she like comes in. Yes. That scene was weird to me too, and I think right? it does relate to a lot of the gender stuff that's sure. going on in this in, in in the first one, especially. Like that lineup of moms, like I feel like moms are just there's a mom mommy hating vibe For in sure. Despicable Me. Yeah. And like I think we first when you noted when you mentioned that mom on that line, I remember one of them was wearing an I Love Mommy shirt. Yeah. Like she's presumably a mommy wearing right. an I Love Mommy shirt. Like yeah. that's so bizarre you know like why is she rooting for herself (laughs) because no one else in the film would be right like like yeah um I think I first noticed it with Miss Hattie Mm. which is interesting Mm -hmm. because Kristen Wiig is the voice talent for Miss Hattie and she also is Lucy yeah yeah and so like in the first film she and Miss Hattie is large Mm -hmm. and so there's like a fat phobia oh for sure yeah and she's like that kind of superficial or the artificial sweet woman who's actually just horrible right and Mm -hmm. she's sending the girls out to go and sell um cookies cookies, uh to make money unsupervised which later on like even once the girls are with Gru and lucy as like the nuclear family yeah they're still unsupervised tons right and doing all kinds of dangerous stuff and yeah and so, like, I guess there's just a cavalier attitude of, like, eh, the kids will fend for themselves. It's right. all fine. Because the parents are doing the necessary good work of all their, of their labor, yeah. right? Their yeah. labor is mm-hmm. justifying that the kid, girls are kind of neglected. And right. they can handle themselves because they're so precocious. Yeah. But, like, the, okay, going back to Miss Hattie, she just is so mean to them, right? And she's the one in charge, or presumably in charge of this orphanage. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, It's it just struck me as a little bit, like, it, maybe it's an easy trope. Like, maybe, like, Oliver the Twist or whatever. Yeah, and Miss um, Hannigan and Annie. Okay, and, yes, yeah. yes. So the orphanage, person who's, like, working in the orphanage is actually a mean person. Sure. When, like, I don't think a lot of people want to go and work for right. orphaned children that are, like, mean-hearted and, you right. know, like, uh hating them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it's this, the the trope of the, I mean, it's also kind of a mean teacher trope too. And like with her specifically, it's also economic exploitation, Mm -hmm. which feels like critiques of people who take in foster children sometimes, right? Right. Um, Or adopt children. And there's this like fear of these people who are like using yes. using the people that no one else in the world wants right like the, the the ones who you get no respect status or money 
for taking care of. And yet the people who do take care of them are framed as villains. And I feel like part of that comes from this, because like Miss Hannigan and Annie, mm-hmm. she is humanized a little bit in the song that she does. Like, I'm like, I want this place to shine like the top of the Chrysler building. Uh, it's a hard knock life. She but it's little... about making everyone labor to Oh, make right. It they're, they're making fun of her in that one. Okay. But like, oh, she has a different song. And I don't remember that song because I was an mm. orphan. Um, but oh, okay. um, it's basically just like burnout. It's wow. like, I'm sick of all these little girls everywhere. Like, ev- ev- like there's little socks everywhere. And, like, I don't ever get a moment to myself. And nobody respects me or treats me well. And, like, I do feel like that's something that, as a teacher, I can understand and empathize with. Where mm-hmm. you're, like, you're devoting your life to, like, trying to... And, like, not having a very high-paying or a high-status job to take care of and, like, teach people. Because you believe in it. And then right. when they, like treat you like crap sometimes Mm -hmm. because it's inevitable because they're kids and like because the system overloads you with too many of them then you're just like and then like you're like villainized right and that becomes what defines you Mm -hmm. exactly those moments of frustration or cynicism or whatever yeah yeah Yeah. and if it goes on too long like i'm sure like we we know there are there are like embittered people that are teachers and stuff Yeah. yeah and i'm sure there are if you want to run an orphanage, like you'd probably end up being needing to be kind of strict or whatever. Right. But yeah, but yeah. Her, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, ugh, just the way that she. I don't know. It feels mean spirited, and then of course the girls don't have a mother, and and then Gru's mother is another piece of it. Sure, the way that she's characterized yeah. is fascinating to me. And once I saw how Miss Hattie was being characterized, I started to think about, okay, well, who are the other mothers? Because the yeah. girls are orphaned. And it's and it's kind of funny because the girls are the only, like, good females yeah. in the film. Yeah. And they're just, you know, oh, they're innocent girls. There's something on... They're pure of heart. Yes, they're virgins. Exactly. That's why. Yeah. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and that also gave me weird vibes with, the, like... The daughter chasing the unicorn. The unicorn, I know! <laughs> and when the maiden yes. pure of heart goes into the crooked <sighs> forest. Yes. Yeah, then she'll find the right. phallic horse. I mean, fortunately, they went into a, you know, with the cute little, like, goat with goat. one yeah. horn thing. But, like, it just was feeling really gross to me. For sure, uh, yeah. And it's about Gru trying to kind of, I mean, implicitly then he's trying to preserve their innocence. And I mean, yes, just as a parental figure, that is (laughs) part of the role. But like, there's just something weird going on there. And and then when we look at like Gru's mother, what's, it's so strange. I mean, the way that she is, he has flashbacks of being traumatized by her because she crushes his dreams of wanting to go to the moon. Mm -hmm. And that's why then he's overcompensating and wants to steal the moon. Right. And like the way that, in that scene too, I think there's like a karate like instructor or a like kickboxing instructor there with her. And she's just talking on the phone and he's waiting, waiting, waiting. And then she just like destroys him. Yeah. And that, I mean, there's something... Is this like the classic ball-busting mother that just like traumatizes the child and like... Well, there's that and there... Yeah, because I feel like part of it is like the mean old Russian lady trope. Yeah. Um, Like there's also something about her 
her sexuality because she has these like hunky men all around her all the time and like at the end she's apparently like crazy wealthy like um she has that like mansion and she has those two diving instructors who are like playing with her in the pool yeah and it it does feel like to be a good mother you're supposed to be like single-mindedly devoted to your children and then this like pursuit of one's pleasure is like part of the thing that is like making making her her look evil yeah yeah Yeah. and I mean just yeah that is for sure there because it's like in almost every scene she does have some sort of like in some cases you know paid male right you know yeah instructor something along those lines but then yeah Mm -hmm. when it adds up it accumulates over the course of it yeah um and she's also just deeply, not only the scene about like, you know, saying um, NASA doesn't take monkeys to the moon anymore yeah. when he's like dreaming about going yeah. there. It's like, mm-hmm. oof. And then later when he does have all these accomplishments and he's trying yeah. to like appease her, she's just like so dismissive of everything. Yeah. And it does feel like that kind of like racialized or ethnic kind of mother trope, you know? Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Um. But the only thing that she does approve of is the granddaughters. Yes. And that's when she is just like totally nice and being like, I'm so proud of you. They're so good. And so that feels like it supports my idea of Gru being a woman. Yeah. <laughs> that that's this whole like the the primary conflict of this whole film is like he's trying to be a man, yeah, but he's actually a woman. Um and or he's like feminized in some key ways. Right. Um and I feel like the first one that's obviously a big issue mm-hmm. because he's like become their mother. Yeah. And Nefario is like trying to be the hard line of like, no, like be a man, focus on your own stuff. Take them back. Like he, yeah. Nefario is the one who makes them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Who goes over his head to yeah. make them go back. Yeah. yeah. And then in two, he is like, everyone's trying to find him a wife to make him like a respectable father. Like, yeah. okay, you have kids, but like, this is only okay if you have a wife with you. Yeah. And then I feel like third, the third one takes that even more because it's, I think third, the third one is about like homosexuality and transness and like his feminine side is like oozing out around the seams Mm. until the like ball buster man of the house, Lucy is like keeping him in line. And until he like, grabs his new phallic weapon in this one and like makes it always a phallic weapon yeah yeah like i i i had begun by titling my notes for despicable me like the domestication of Gru, Mm -hmm. because that's just what it feels like you see him being just like he's into being a villain and like everyone's like supporting that but like then there's these girls that come into his life and he's so resistant and so horrible to them. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, the predictable arc of like them winning him over yeah. and then being something that he like sacrifices for. It it really is reinforcing like uh, family values in yeah. a certain kind of way. Like with the right family influence, mm-hmm. villainous men can be tamed. Sure. But then... It's also in the first movie, there's no women. There's no adult women. Yeah. 
And I feel like that's a weird omission that seems purposeful. It's like men can achieve this, but it's through the innocent little girls. And there's yeah. something kind of creepy about yeah. that. The little girls are going into random people. When they went yeah. into uh, Vector, I yeah. Think, yeah, Vector. Vector's house mm-hmm. alone, I it struck me how horrifying this is. Yeah. How vulnerable they are. Sure. And they're doing the same thing when they go with Gru. Yeah. And that when you were talking about how Hattie was framed as a villain, I think that that's... I, I was thinking about how interesting it is that and this is like so common for this type of movie and kids movies in general, but like we know exactly who the villains are supposed to be and who the good people are supposed to be, even though Hattie starts by being really sweet Mm -hmm. and Gru starts by being really awful. And yet we know because the girls know. Yeah. And because of like tropes and common things that we're trained to look for. Yeah. But it's like, he can be, he can do whatever kind of terrible thing and we're still going to trust him. And we're going to excuse or explain yeah. or be okay with whatever he does. Like just even the, the, the petty cruelty of like, can we have a bedtime story? No. Yeah. You know, like that's like more abusive than yeah. I think much of what Miss Hattie does. Totally. And she puts them in a box of shame, yes. which is like a dog kennel. And yeah. he gives them a dog bowl of candy and a yes. newspapers on the floor. Like yes. those aren't that different. Right. And like, but his is like funny and cute because they're having a good time with it. Right. Um, and they're yeah. not afraid of him. And right. like, because they're not afraid, like it's fine. Yeah. And they end up disarming him. Right. right. Like, I don't know that that should be the emotional labor of little girls. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But in so many ways, I think that that, I just saw this disturbing post and I think it was originally a TikTok because it feels like everything on any social media right. platform is now a TikTok <laughs> that's been reposted. But it was this, it might've been something like, um, I don't know, terrible Facebook memes or something like. But anyways, it was a a woman was filming the way that they have trained all of their daughters to do everything for their father. Ugh. So he would just like set his shoes down and then they would come and scurry uh. and pick them up. He would uh, put, you know, they would go and clear his, his dishes away from the table. Or he just set things down and they would have to scurry to oh clean it after. God. He was shaving and left all of his hair in the sink and they came and they Ew. tidied it up. And these girls are like six and seven and nine. And it's like so horrifying to me. And I was like, yeah, imagine all the shit they're going to have to unpack if they ever get to that point. I know, yeah. To like undo the damage of thinking that they are the servants of whoever is the male. yeah. Oh, that's so gross. It was like, so that's, nasty. That is, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and these... Gru is just, is framed as such a sweet and non-threatening, mm-hmm. lovable man. But, like, they... The stuff that he does... Like, it's so easy to just map characters onto other people's actions yeah and like one one action in the world just be like oh well that's like grew does that too and like you don't think about that consciously but it just like it makes a lot of emotionally abusive behavior feel normalized yeah and like lovable even right like I remember when I was when I was younger just really feeling like I was supposed to like be with a really really ugly guy who was like 
not desirable at all because it was such a wonderful moment to like have someone to be the person to like save him wow. through like love and attention. Like you were the gift. You yeah. You think of yourself as the gift to redeem someone yeah. who was. <laughs> yeah. It's like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, totally. And feeling like that was like this honorable role to mm. play that was also, that was like positive for me too. Because About like then I would have, but also have this person who would be like so in love with me. And because like, they were so thankful yeah, that they got you. Yeah. yeah. And I, I like I remember actually feeling like I like that's what I was looking for. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I wonder where that particular narrative came from because I feel like so much, I mean, so much of I think our romantic ideas are shaped by the kind of well, culture, family. Uh, yeah. but also media that we're exposed yeah. to. I feel like it's media and it's just like the constant, constant, constant onslaught of just these like mediocre, like not very attractive or interesting guys and these like really beautiful, sexy, amazing, perfect women. Yeah. And like, I feel like there's something about Mary. Like there's this very, like there's that scene where she's like, I want a guy who's fat and who burps a lot and who really loves sports and like who doesn't care about me at all. You know, like yeah. that. Yeah. basically that was like my takeaway, yeah. you know, of that. And then there's like, like everybody loves Raymond. There's like, he has a hot wife. Yes. Like everyone has a super hot wife. Like yes. Homer Simpson has Marge. Like yeah. everyone... And it's just like, well, that's that's so the way that it's supposed to work. Like, yeah. you're supposed to be the hot... Like, that's your sign. It almost felt like that was validation of hotness was being with a less attractive guy or Interesting. something. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is way more prevalent than I was thinking of it when you listed all those examples. Because I think I think about, like children's media mm-hmm. and like Disney was so formative and like so right. pervasive and even now it still is even though it's shifted so much from when I was like yeah. little and watching it but like you always have a nearly mute Prince Charming that's sure. handsome and rich and royalty often well yeah and there's like, yeah but there's also also though I mean yeah with Beauty and the Beast which was like that was the one movie that I owned in my TV-less house mm-hmm. like my uncle bought us the VHS of Beauty and the Beast yeah. before I had a TV and there's the very hot, attractive prince man who's yes. an asshole. Right. And then there's the beast who's yeah. also a horrible asshole. Yes. And like really. Asshole or asshole. And like <laughs> entraps her and right. like won't let her leave and will like scratch yes. people and have all this moodiness and stuff. Yeah. But she is like, she becomes this amazing character through her yeah, sacrifice and attention yeah. to save him and bring him back to life or whatever. And, like, she doesn't want the hot... Like, the hot guy is bad news. The, He's the so ugly arrogant, guy yeah. is the one. Right. And, yeah, I mean, I feel like in so many ways that that film in particular distills so much of what's normalized and romanticized about abusive, yeah, like, for sure. dynamics. And I think that that idea of, like... She is rewarded because she wasn't, you know, shallow. And right. she put in the patient time. And she also was self-sacrificing. She switched places with her father. Right. Who was meant to be the prisoner. Yeah. And, like, some witch 
put the spell on him and like I, I, I yeah. don't know and there it just feels like and then he's transformed into this beautiful golden haired like yeah you know androgynous attractive mm. person but like I think that there's just something interesting and disturbing about that and I feel like that trope was taken and then expanded upon with the Twilight series like I just Mm. feel like that was the most disturbing thing of being oh there's a vampire who's really attractive and will show up in your bedroom and watch you sleep but because you're into him, it's cool. That's yeah. fine. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> or there's this other guy, you know, he's like a Native American, but um, he has this problem with when the moon comes out. <laughs> like, <laughs> he becomes potentially aggressive and has and engages in domestic violence against you. But and it's so only it's once like, a month. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just his cycle. Yeah. And yeah. then those are like the idealized and romanticized, like, are you team Jacob? Are you team Edward? And it's just like, oh neither. This is disturbing. And yeah. it's all this weird, perverse, like, like allegory for virginity and, and maintaining yeah. it and resisting the temptations of becoming a vampire. And like, oh my God. yikes. I mean, so I just feel like there are later iterations of it that have been updated because it's such an attractive tale. Yeah. Because it's, I, 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 and that one in particular, like, Stephanie Myers, it's it's just like a Mormon woman re reinforcing like all the purity, yeah. chastity, and like patriarchal bullshit. Yeah, I've never seen Twilight. You've or been, read spared. It. Yeah. You've been spared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I I think that promiscuity promiscuity comes up in in Despicable Me too. As yeah. something dangerous, a little bit, but I think that yeah. promiscuity is a big factor in Despicable Me Three, but it's like coded because it's Gru's promiscuity. I want to hear more about that, but before we uh-huh. get into that, because yeah. I I'm we've talked about like the women in Despicable yeah. Me, um, but another thing that I think was interesting is the obvious counterpart is the way that besides Gru, mm-hmm. other men, especially villains, are characterized. And yeah. I noticed this like kind of commonality in the the first to the third. Like in the first one we have Vector. Vector yeah. And he's so I I think both of the villains in one and three, Vector and uh what was it Brat. Something Brat. Brat Brat Brat. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um they're both young. They're both young. They both... Okay, so Vector first is like the yeah. nepotism kid. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. He yeah, he's lazy. Also, he's, he's lazy. Like, he just plays Wii and, and drinks soda and yeah. eats potato chips. Mm-hmm. But he also has all the cool shit. Yeah. And he's got a shark. Yeah. And he's got like a super <laughs> fortress. Yeah. And like, they're just... I don't know. There's something that is purposefully contemptible about him. For sure. And I think it has to do also with these weird notions of masculinity because Gru has Mm. interesting characterization in terms of his physicality. We've talked about how Mm -hmm. he's being feminized or is feminine Mm -hmm. in all these ways that then end up in later movies getting corrected for or addressed. Yeah. And like the, the villains that he's posed against seem to kind of represent, uh, mealy mouthed or weak style of masculinity, which is interesting, but I don't know. He's like, yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
Yeah. Because he does, he has that like pull yourself up by the bootstraps type of masculinity where yes. like he wasn't given it, like he was raised by a single mother mm-hmm. and like he was, he wasn't good with girls when he was young. Right. And he had to like fight for his self respect. Yes. So he has this like grittiness. And I think it's part of an immigrant narrative too mm-hmm. of like, you build yourself up versus the nepotism kid yeah. who's just been given all that shit and yeah. really it had, didn't work for it themselves. Yeah. And there's another emasculating element of the way Vector interacts with Gru throughout the film. One uh-huh. of them was like, I think he... Is there a air fight? And there's yeah. a ton of... Okay, so yeah. like there was this overcompensating amount of ammo yeah. that Gru sends towards Vector yeah. and he evades every single yeah. bit of it. And that just seems like ejaculatory for sure well they both every single villain has the like like armada of missiles that just like appear from nowhere and are all pointed at you like vector has them Gru has them they show up but both brat and Gru's brother drew has them like you're right. If you're I, a villain, I think it's just, and that I yeah, think also missiles. is just always true of weaponry. Right. So many weapons are phallic. Are. Like it's it, ridiculous. It's a, it's a good design. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For yeah. De- destruction and insemination. Yes. Um, well, it's. I mean, it, it's a it's a conquest, right? Yes. Like it, it, invasion. Should, it's invasion. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also because he has power of the the shrinking. Apparatus, like right, he the shrinks, shrink grooves. Yeah, <laughs> and then that's some like the most yeah. emasculating thing ever. And that's what the film is about: of like him accepting right. or embracing domestication and being a father. Yeah, and so like I think Vector sets that off, you know, for sure early in the film. Yeah, and then and then jumping to the the third, like. I was trying to make sense of this like weird amalgam of they say it's 80s but it feels like 90s references to me mm-hmm. but like even his name I was like what the heck um oh right Balthazar Balthazar yeah because <laughs> I was thinking Balthazar Getty was a star in the mm. 80s or whatever mm. but like okay so Balthazar Brat and the Brat Pack so they're yeah. doing all these like allusions but yeah he is so ridiculously obnoxious yeah. too like he wants dance offs and like right. there's and his hair is like part like kid in play, part mullet, but yeah. he also has a bald spot. Yeah. He's like the aging person that doesn't let go of like yeah. their youth uh-huh. and childhood. Yeah. And like, and then I was thinking too, there's interesting stuff going on to the not villain of Drew, right? Yeah. Because Drew has everything that Drew doesn't, but he's incompetent. Mm-hmm. And like that, like he's rich. He lives in this palatial mansion. Yeah. And he has all these cars. He had the father the instead of the yes. mother. Yes, he did. Mm-hmm. And so then that's interesting because that kind of does push against the idea that like the mother being in Gru's life did, even though it was through maybe making him feel he was inadequate. Right. He built something. Well, he was a man in relation to his mother, who was a yes. woman. And I think that Drew, Drew is definitely characterized as the effeminate woman, oh, in yeah. part because of his big, long, blonde, luscious hair yes. um, and his white suit and his yes. pink, puffy pigs, which yes. feel very like feminine yes. and like. I, and he lives in this in this place where like everyone's just milking cows all the time, and there's just this really like. Yeah, there's just a big feminine mm-hmm. sort of vibe in that whole area. So I, I feel like by being raised by a father, then you become like the female counterpart. Maybe. This is okay. This is something really weird that my brother thinks. Um, he he when he was looking for a roommate, 
he didn't want to get he didn't want to live with a man because he said that Remy his dog would bond with a man like when he was gone and then like replace him <gasps> and it but if he had a woman like a female roommate then it would be okay like because the dog's not gonna him. bond with the woman who's not an alpha yeah so like i i don't know <laughs> i just it, it sort of feels like this idea of like whatever you're whoever you're around mm-hmm. you like become that counter the counterpart. some sort of like yeah. stereotypical gendered counterpart yeah exactly <laughs> yeah you know there was a i, I was reminded that you know, we're talking about the way that they're characterized as, like, Russian, right? Uh-huh. But, like, they're from Fredonia. Fredonia, yeah. And uh-huh. I was like, okay, interesting. And there was a moment when Lucy comes in that just felt back to kind of just that little woman is nation thing that uh-huh. I was talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. last time. Where, where she, the girls are in a tavern, and she comes in and thinks that she's, like, lost them. Right. right? And she comes in and she kicks all the asses of yeah. all the locals that are in the tavern just sitting there. Yeah. And then she just like slinks away and she's kind of laughing and she's like, oh, I went all mama bear on ya. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my God, could there be a better mini allegory for like the way that Americans you- invade <laughs> yeah. other countries? Yeah. Destroy them and are like, oopsie. Oh, okay. Whatever. Never mind. All yeah. good. <laughs> uh, well, okay. My thing is safe. So we're good. Yeah. 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 That was interesting. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. No, she's, and also just like, I was thinking about just her culture incompetency mm-hmm. um with Margot at the fair and just like mm-hmm. totally misread or like not understanding the the intricacies of what she's involved with yeah. and just being like oh like go in like participate the like it could happen yeah, yeah and then when there's this it's like their turf their culture their festival their traditions she like messes up by putting her daughter in this bad position Mm -hmm. and then when the mom comes to like deal with it then of course then she just like kicks her ass right and again it's just like well I fucked up but like I'm stronger than you so you're dead you're gonna pay sorry yeah 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 that feels very American yes, for sure. It does. <laughs> but again, she's an admirable character in yeah. the way that she is intentionally like portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that makes the girls that like that's the thing that gets her the hug from Margot is yes. like standing up to this other woman. Right. Um, and when she like saves them from Brat, when they're like in their final battle, mm-hmm. the men go off to fight Brat and she's like, I'll go take care of the children. Yes, and she yes, jumping on the the, on the, the pink bubbles. The pink yep. bubbles. And yeah, it's like... <laughs> and then they're like, Lucy! Mom, yeah. Mom. And like she has saved the day there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is endearing when it's Kristen Wiig doing her like vocal talent magic on this yeah. character. And the animation is, is delightful. But like I also get like gross flashbacks of like Sarah Palin being like mm. oh I'm just a what did I forget what she says something about being like you know a grizzly mom or some sort of yeah. like protective mama bear idea where yeah. it's just like no because you're also advocating for like horrible policies and wanting to just like take out other countries or like do a bunch of right. horrible things like yeah that's just don't try to cloak it in your desire to protect like it doesn't being that aggressive isn't necessary (laughs) yeah and yeah I feel like what you were saying earlier about them always being unsupervised it's like this weird balance of like instead of just like taking care of you like normal parents 
and like exposing you to an acceptable degree of risk. Mm-hmm. We're going to be completely negligent mm-hmm. and then also like overprotect really hard and like <laughs> fuck everything else up yeah. to when you get into danger, which is absolutely, of course, what would happen exactly. in this scenario. When you're not being supervised yeah. in another country or yeah. in this other place. Yeah. That feels very, yeah, very, very American to me, the idea of mm-hmm. like, like, I feel I'm thinking about like stories. Okay, so I used to go on these study abroad programs with my mom when I was younger and we would take all these college students from Santa Clara to England for the summer and there was always these like stories at the beginning when they were warning the kids of like don't ask for trouble like these are things that you should just like use your common sense and like not do mm-hmm. um but every year there was always a kid who would do something yeah. that was just like brazen and and like not worth the risk and Um, would always end up leading to more trouble. And it just felt like, it feels like this American idea of like, well, we have the right to do whatever we want. um, And and be free from consequences. And the version of that in England was like suing people, right? And they were like, you can't sue people here. Like, we don't do that. (laughs) Like, if you step in, if you look the wrong way when you're crossing the road and get hit by a bus, you can't sue the bus driver. Yeah, that's your fault. (laughs) So like, you're not not immune from danger right you Um, can't just (laughs) sue your way out of your own bad situations that you created and I feel like this is definitely something that just happens in like all action movies and all kids movies to a certain extent the like deus ex machina like everything seems lost and then at the last second like a dart comes and grabs your butt and like your wife is there in the helicopter managed to somehow evade the innovatable security system that we were talking about earlier but it just really does reinforce that ethos in Americans, I feel like of just no like, consequences well, it'll be for fine. Americans. Yes. <laughs> you're safe. You're protected. You're the ones who everyone's looking out for. You're yeah. the ones who this whole apparatus is meant is to, protect. to protect. Exactly. And the people who I disregard and think are stupid or overbearing or like not worth my time or that I can neglect or that I can hate will be there to save me. Right. When I need them to. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, Nefario yeah. shows up after he's gotten, like, yes. fired or, or, like, moves on. Right. Lucy shows up after Gru's lied to her and, yeah. like, doesn't tell her what's going on. It's yeah. just like, no, well, everyone will still be there to protect it's you. It's like the eternally redeemable male hero yeah. that's lovable. And no matter what, just like you were saying earlier, all the things that, like, we see Gru do or Lucy do, it is just... That they, we know they're the protagonists. Yeah. We know that that's who we're rooting for. So then those things become acceptable, become dismissible. Like it's okay to let those things go. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I do want to hear though what you were uh, talking about in terms of just like the 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 gender the sexuality. What's going on in the third one? Okay. So Brad is characterized as a trans woman. In the like 90s media version, right? In sort of the Ace Ventura pet detective version of the like Mm -hmm. stealthy person who actually is a man and will like, and has a dick and is going to like trick you and catch you and they're trying to lure you and then Mm -hmm. they're evil and they're going to like make you pay somehow mm-hmm. like yeah. it's like this stealthy nefarious type of gender fluidity mm-hmm. um and so first of all I think like his outfits he has this 
luxurious purple, which is like the color of royalty, queens, right? right? He's also, also is, is like a gay color. Like I feel like there's overlap with purple and just so luxurious. And all the pink bubbles. All the pink, yeah. So he's super feminine with the pink and purple. He has the big shoulder pads. He has the long hair. He has the one long earring in his left ear, which is like Mm -hmm. a symbol. Like it was a a symbol to show gayness when you couldn't be fully out. Um, he also has these pink triangles, which are gay. Yes. Like yes. that's was the Nazi symbol for being gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also look like vaginas. Yeah. Um, and he has, and he's, he's chasing after this big pink gem, yes. which feels like this pursuit of femininity. Yes. Like he doesn't have his own vagina, right. but he's like, and he's clinging to looking it, to steal it. it. Yeah. Yes. And it's like so valuable to him. Yeah. And it's not his vagina. It's like somebody else's yeah. and he keeps stealing it. Yeah. Um, and, and Gru has to go and get it back. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's Gru's vagina. Like yeah. he owns it. Yeah. yeah. But not in a, not in, in that way. Right. Like, in like a, he's just in control of it. Yeah. Like he's, he's not going to keep it. He's going to give it to the ABL. Right. Like it's not, yeah, it's not for yeah. him. Um, and so one moment while we're talking about the diamond yeah. that really struck me was that the, the first disguise when he was the jewel mm-hmm. assessor, mm-hmm. who was like, obviously Trump, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't he look like Trump? Like he was like this like big fat guy and he had the white, yes. like, yellow haircut and he had the big red tie. Yes. Um, yes. And so when he's dressed up as that guy and he's going into like do the ploy of like, oh, it's been swapped, but actually steal it. He like interacts with the with the diamond in such a weird way. First of all, his like big long phallic nose just like rests on top of it yes. for a moment. And then he sticks out his tongue and he licks it. <gasps> yeah. Um, Whoa. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're so right. You're so right. So there's this like, it, it's very sexualized, yes. this prize, right? Yeah. Um, but then it's it's dangerous when it's in Brat's hands, mm-hmm. right? Like if it's, if it's protected by the, White hegemonic male right. guarded museum with its security system. Yeah. It's just this beautiful thing that that's we can the right order at. of the world. Yeah, that's yeah. where it belongs. Yeah. But when Brat has it, all of a sudden it shoots lasers out of it and kills you. Yeah. Which feels like this fear of like there. So there's this conflation of transness in media between like murderers mm-hmm. and trans women, basically, and this idea of like when they get you back to their house or into their bedroom and this reveal happens, then that's basically like, then they'll also probably throw you down in a hole and put lotion on your skin and like try to make you into a skin. Which skin. is like so ridiculous. <laughs> like, cause it's actually dangerous for her. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I know. Yes. It's the opposite yeah. of, of reality. Yeah. Uh, which is just like, feels that's... like kind of a takeaway for most power structures. Like, yeah. We are just taught to fear the victims of right of hegemony and yeah. act like they are the aggressors. And because you just mentioned Gru's get up looking like Trump, like that was his classic playbook on the campaign trail. Mm. Just project, just yeah. accuse everyone else of yeah. what he's doing, and somehow people yeah. believe that narrative. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. Um, there's yeah, so the big diamond and then the 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 gum, which also feels like obviously it's feminine, it's yeah. pink, it's sticky. Right. Um like it feels like he's just like this like oozing, yes. soft, mm-hmm. malleable. Like that feels that very is feminine going to, to me. And enc- like 
trapped consume yeah. yeah take over engulf yeah it's engulfing yeah the city. and like stickiness is yes. such a big deal and they keep going into sticky mode like that's yes, like they do the thing. to get yeah into the and yeah. that feels both about like fluids and sex mm-hmm. it also feels like clingy women and mm-hmm. like getting tra- and trapped yeah. within a relationship and it just feels like so like if you're a ma- if you're a masculine hero if you're like what's his or villain like um el macho yes right it's like i'm gonna tie you to a rocket and a shark's gonna eat you and yeah. you're gonna explode what's but like sharks always sharks yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. interesting mm-hmm. um but that doesn't feel like a feminine villain style right, right. for a feminine in here villain we're gonna like trap you to the floor and you can't move anywhere yeah. and like until you suffocate right um so that feels like just further making him seem feminine but yes. then also this this disguising so he first shows mm-hmm. up as trump and then he becomes lucy and he's like actually dressed in women's clothing yes and tricks grew yeah. into thinking that he is his wife mm-hmm. and steals the children which is like classic yeah. fear of like queerness equals pedophile equals kidnapper right um taking the little girls corrupting desecrating them. the nuclear family yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. um so that just seems like classic like phobia queer phobias yeah right there um also when they when he first sees Gru he asks how is your transition um, yes, because he he's does. asking about transition away from villainy. Yeah, but that yep. word seemed like interesting. an interesting choice. Yes, um, and then he has his kitar, mm-hmm. which is his version of the phallic weapon. Yeah, so he does have this penis, which is also dangerous. Yeah. which will. But the way that it's dangerous, and this was the thing that I mentioned in the previous one when yeah. we were talking, but it. Is has so much music that it strips your clothes off of you. Yes. So it's basically a rape. Like, yeah. he'll get you in with his pink stickiness. Right. And then he'll, like, rape you with his penis. Yeah. And Gru has all of his clothes taken off. And then he's yep. left in this, like, pink underwear. He's humiliated. He's feminized. Right. He's left holding the vagina. Yeah. And, like, bouncing in front of this. Right. Uh, he's holding the vagina to cover his own exposed yeah. genitals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then later, of course, Gru ends up dominating him by taking the kitar away from him and yeah. raping him, taking yeah. his clothes off. And yeah. he goes away feminized and and emasculated yeah. and humiliated without yes. the, the diamond vagina. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. And then also, like, he's... There was the... Um, well, so there's the crooked forest, which feels like yes. like straight, bent, yep. crooked, yep. seems gay. Um, and then there's the barkeep who has his phallus of the unicorn yeah. horn, and he's like getting you know yeah. the girl to con- like <laughs> go into the crooked forest, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that whole so then okay, so in addition to Brat, oh, and then also with Brat, there's the like his dancing with the music video, and yeah. he describes himself as super sassy, and yeah, it's just like he just like acts like a, a woman, um, yeah. but. I also think that Drew is that so the relationship between Gru and Drew yes. is super homoerotic, yeah. obviously. Like yeah. when they first meet, 
they he's like bouncing him up and down and yes. then he like drew gets on his knees with his his head like right near yeah. drew's groin area yeah. and is like hugging him yeah. they switch clothing they, they have yeah. when they're um climbing when they're like doing the heist Mm-hmm. That well, first of all, <gasps> they end up in a sixty-nine yep, position. They're sixty-nining they at the are. heist. Yeah, I was, and, and when you were talking about the like, you know, even Gru's nose, and then yeah, or just everything around the diamond, like there, that scene in particular, I was yeah. like, this is so blatant, and like, yeah, wow. I mean, uh-huh. and I can see it's it's funny for kids because it's like, oh, but then it like adults see so much more. That, yeah, that's it's really well, and it's funny for kids because they know that those are private parts like they know that those are things you're not supposed to talk about or touch right um and they'll get in trouble if they do that and that's why it's so funny and even when when they first got to the island like the very Mm -hmm. first thing is the pig the pink yes like voluptuous pig with the snout gets it into Gru's private part he's like that's my private part yes yes yeah, there's a lot of violation going there on here symbolically and otherwise. And the way that they get down into the secret lair is mm-hmm. Drew sticking his fingers into the pig's nostrils yes. and turning it. Ugh, that um, is so gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> and all the pigs are always stacked on top of each other yes. also. Like, I just, I, I wasn't, like, I feel like there's a lot in those pigs and I don't know exactly what the deal is. It was strange is, and the pigs are like the bubble gum. You yeah. know, but I think uh-huh. also I was struck by like how no matter what, the pigs are always spared from harm besides what you just mentioned yeah. of being, you know, yeah. nose. Right. They're not <laughs> like, you know, but like, but like when, every, when, when the not. like aircraft lands perfectly, none, not right. one of them is harmed or just like they perfectly yeah. move around and accommodate whatever it is these guys are doing. They're women. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but then it's that they aren't harmed by any right. of it too. It's like they're yeah. docile and unthreatening, like part of the landscape. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when the police like get thrown off their bicycles for the pigs and then they start riding the pigs and that was obviously a joke yeah. of like police pigs like right. and then there's police on pigs but yeah. yeah, but it also was like yeah, they're just getting used for whatever yeah. is needed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um but also with the heist there was that moment when Drew didn't get his stickiness to to yes. work and he slides down and, he and he's almost impaled, impaled in the ass by yes. the spike. Yeah. And that heist thing, I mean, so it's this huge rectangular phallus yes. with these spiky balls at the bottom. Right. With like these big old like pubic hair spikes Yes, down there. there's also minion pubic hairs. Like they're one, you know, their shape is like, mm. like they yeah. look, shape like a pill, right? Yeah. A tiny little tiny phallus. Uh-huh. And then one of them, like his, he had just like, a couple of stray hairs yeah. emerging from his head that just looked like pubes. Yeah. I was like, what a weird choice. Yeah. Because it just looks like that. Totally. Yeah. No, there's, I feel like there are just so many private parts. Yeah. Manifest in this, in this That's one. It's like, like the weird, it, it, and it's, I mean, it's literally a kid's movie, right? But mm-hmm. like, it reminds me in Fight, in Fight Club how, Tyler Durden would splice moments of porn into children's films and like totally that's and that and it's like back I remember being young and looking at the cover of The Little Mermaid and like the castle the main turret of the castle is just a phallus like it's just obvious yeah totally yeah yeah um and then wait there was one more oh boobs they one of the minions says yes he's like oh it's Gru but with boobs yes so like they say you're right 
And that one minion who wears coconuts, oh, one yeah, falls down and the other one yeah. covers yeah. the nothing that the coconut yeah. was covering. Mm-hmm. So there's, and that's like a weird, like unnecessary modesty, but then it's also like which ends drawing up, attention to boobs. Right. Which yeah. like, I, I was thinking about that because you know when like little, little girls wear bikinis? Yes. And it's like, it's so weird because the fact that they are like covering their chest that they don't have breasts. makes it like that makes it look obscene whereas if they just didn't wear anything it like would just be totally normal, normal. Yeah. and it's just like why are you wearing that like yeah so weird to approximate or anticipate boobs right but you don't have them you're a child yeah why are we sexualizing you so young yeah yeah or yeah children don't sexualize them yeah <laughs> Hey, that's our subtitle. That yeah. was weird. Children, don't children. Yeah, that's that episode title. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, I feel like that was sort of the those that was sort of the main thrust of my um, analysis of this one. Um, lots of horns, milking, big phallic drill on the boat. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the pink toilet paper. I thought that oh. was interesting. I don't remember that. Where did that come In up? the sing, the like musical concert, oh. they had pink toilet paper um, as like their prop for their song. Yeah. So they were singing that like opera. Right, and then are you talking about the minions? Yeah, the minions. Like, okay. Yeah, and then it, and then weird. Like suddenly they all had a roll of pink toilet paper, and they made these like two rotating circles, and then they were like throwing the pink toilet paper out from the center. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like pink was like the color of this film, right? Yeah. Like that was the thing that they were really into. And it just, I mean, I, that just feels it's, like mm-hmm. more like potty humor kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it also, I mean, that reminds me of the pink imagery like in Despicable Me, the original, because mm-hmm. Gru wears a pink spacesuit. When yeah. he's going to like right. yeah, yeah, yeah. steal the moon, and I was just thinking the associations of the moon. Why is he? Why does he want the moon? Obviously, yeah. it's built in his mom's sh- like cruelty right. to him when he was young and shutting mm-hmm. down his dreams, and so he's trying to like compensate for that. But also, it goes with like Diana the and the like Greek mythology of like moon and chastity, mm. and so like the moon and the diamond both have these like kind of feminized qualities sure. to them and the yeah. pursuit of the villain, the male villains, yeah. for this kind of like feminized object. Yeah, is interesting. Yeah, and especially because I don't remember what the like device or th- or object was with mis- with uh, for two. Yeah. So for that, it was just it was the serum to make the the yes. minions Return into these. But right, but was he looking for something specific or he? But did, that just serum the world. is the opposite of the feminine objects because you inseminate, you yeah. inject, and yeah, and the the issue with injecting the minions with it or anyone yeah. with it was that it turned them into these like indiscriminate killers right right? and super predators super predators and the thing that the super predators went for when they were loose was the three little girls yeah so i do feel like the conquest is always for like a virgin or like for a woman or for like the three girls or for like it's it just has something to do with like rape and 
purity and yeah. sex in some way. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think that, I don't remember if, if Macho had like a goal in mind or I think he just was like, and then the world will be mine. Like we'll control the world. And that's so vague. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's not so much an object it's just power. Right. And I feel like there's, so that actually, okay, let me just spitball here. Like the quest for this feminized object is about either controlling or embodying a woman, Uh right? uh And then the macho is more about where where the tool or the thing that they're vying for control over is Uh the injectable. Yeah. And that's in a quest for power. (laughs) Right. So it's like, uh, again, women become objectified or possession Uh and then like the male device is all about seizing the power for Yeah. Well, and so... The unicorn hunt is interesting because mm-hmm. it's kind of the reverse of that. Yeah. It's like the pure maiden goes in search of the phallus. Of the phallus. Which is why it's the crooked forest. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. But her but her quest is misguided because unicorns don't exist. True. Oh, so never mind. Sorry, yeah. girl. And no one wants to tell her that. No one wants to tell her that she's never going to be the seeker. Right. She's going to be the sought after. Yeah. And she finds her little goat, but, and she's happy with it for now because right. she's pure and innocent. Still believing. But she doesn't realize that that's not actually what she's looking for. She can't actually find the man on her own terms. The intensity, what, what is that girl's name? Agnes? Uh, yeah, no. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, the intensity, she, it's, it plays is so cute. Yeah. It's know? so floppy! But the, yeah, that <laughs> yeah. intensity feels like something, yeah, like the intensity of her desire for the cuteness is mm-hmm. maybe then actually the desire for, to seize her own power. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, she can barely contain it. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. Margot is already like very sophisticated and understands power dynamics yeah. and understands that Gru's not to be trusted always yeah. and like his suspicious of of Lucy. Yeah. Um and I feel like the middle one So one thing that I keep noticing on the second round is just how derivative these films are and how just like everything is just taken from something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the middle girl with her hat, I'm just keep thinking about Bob's Burgers. Oh yeah. That's uh, Louise. Louise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Never takes it off. Yeah. And then like the, the bank of evil guy is like Mustafu from Zoolander, the Will Ferrell character. Um, like even like he looks exactly like it the yeah. way that he's sitting the way his voice is like there's just so many moments like that where I was like oh you just stole this okay yeah um, interesting because the co- recombination feels original yeah but like there's not an original <laughs> element in the bunch pastiche exactly it's yeah. totally pastiche yeah. um, but she just feels like she's just a troublemaker which doesn't really feel that in, like she doesn't feel interesting to it's got me. middle child vibes for sure she's just like I want to fuck shit up yeah. but like no real goals yeah and like I mean the only scene that I really remember of her is in the oh gosh yeah I guess the third one is saying also oh I don't want to be the one to tell you know yeah. Agnes that that's not a real unicorn which actually felt like a departure for her because normally she's like I like causing people pain like right. I like and, and so that yes. felt like a I don't know, a weird moment of like, 
inconsistent characterization because she suddenly like has a heart and actually like cares yeah something totally and then other than that she's just messing with the butler like she just keeps like yeah it feels like her character is more like we see physical kind of like chaos (laughs) for sure yeah Yeah. oh parent trap that's the other big one that it was (gasps) so like with the babies and the separation and the it was just like okay that's parent trap yeah we know about that yeah (laughs) and there's the one photograph and they oh my god it's the same babies yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but i i like this idea of agnes because i do feel like agnes is kind of agnes and grew are the best characters yeah for sure and i feel like yeah grew is in the body of a man and wants to be a woman and Mm -hmm. agnes is in the body of a girl and wants to be a whole person yeah um or maybe they both want to be a whole person because grew also like likes cars and mm-hmm. likes stealing shit and right but he also likes to cook and likes to hang out with the little girls right. and like is good at pretending to be a princess yeah. and like and it seems like all of the pressure many i mean i maybe i'm missing bits and pieces but it feels like the pressure to not just be who he is or wants to be comes externally yeah for sure yeah. And he's, at first, he, he, like, it seems like, yeah, if everyone left him alone, he would be just, like, so right. happy. Like, yeah. at the beginning and end of each film, he's just like, yeah, like, I'm making breakfast for my girls. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everything's great. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, someone comes in and, like, asks him to do, to do something or to not do something. Right. And he has yeah. to deal with that. And even, like, losing the job, like, I mean, I guess he, he took that hard. Yeah. Um. But also... Partly because the minions left, and then he felt yeah. bad about Lucy. And... Right. But yeah, well, it, like that too. Like the minions and Dr. Nefario pushing him to be in the first one to get back to being evil. Like I remember just all the minions and the signs they were holding. It was like. That was all... the third oh, it was one. The third yeah, because the first one, they're to... just evil. Oh, yeah. And it and was like switch over part way to... through. Like, he still thinks he wants to be evil. He's just getting messed up because the girls are there. Yes. And they they transform him yeah. into a good... They yeah. transition him. They transition him. Into. That is very true. Yes. They do. Yeah. <laughs> into a feminized version of himself. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely the third one. Yeah, that's when they're like on strike and like yeah. want it. Because like in part two, that already happens. And then they like find their their version of acceptability which is like okay you can you can still do all the evil stuff but you just work for the good guys right and that almost feels like okay so i was just hearing something on like late late night npr the other day (laughs) um that was about uh this like b-list celebrity gay performer who got murdered and they were like talking about how like it this was like the 70s and how people like gay performers were like not really fully out most of the time mm-hmm. and like people someone the host of NPR was like someone says something like it's easy for us to act because like we're always acting um and it that almost that reminds me of this idea of like being an actor or like a drag performer because you like want to be a woman mm-hmm. but like you can't do that so you find this like socially respectable way to yeah. like do those things yeah that feels like his relationship with evil yes and so i don't know if those have if those are like if that's the metaphor for like his gender his gender deviance yeah through like evil deviant like stealing like a version of passing or something too Mm -hmm. because it's like okay i have this cover that can protect me and let me keep doing the The thing thing i want to do do. yeah totally Mm -hmm. yeah 
Also then. Oh, and then the boss, the boss. Yeah. So at the end, he gets his, like, he gets the vagina back. But, and in his mind, he's like, it's for his ball-busting new female boss. Yes. And he, like, gives it, he, like, hits her in the stomach with her and with it. And she, like, goes down on the floor and is, like, caressing it. But then he has his, like, ball-busting wife there who's, he's, who's, like, he's really trying to make happy. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was interesting. I know. I I felt like maybe I was misremembering some other female character like that that was, like, the boss lady who's actually a villain in some animated film. But, like, she doesn't have a lot of screen time. She's got that big, blondish hair, right? Uh-huh. And she's, like, definitely at this convention and she's the one who's speaking but she's also clearly meant to be grating and irritating and like yeah yeah and so that trope again we just have so few and again I don't want to say likable female characters but I think that there's something like there just is too much misogyny you know the proportion of misogyny in the film which you can usually expect in mainstream films anyway just feels a little too heavy-handed yeah. when you have so few. And, yeah. I mean, adult women. Adult yeah. women are mm-hmm. a threatening force in most cases in these films. Yeah. Except for Lucy. And so, like... And even then, sometimes she's a ball buster, but in a way mm-hmm. that's, like, lovable, right? And yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Because... And then there's also... Like, I almost wanted to say, okay, so then for Despicable Me 3... If the first one is the domestication of Gru, is Despicable Me 3 the domestication of Lucy? Because she's learning how to be a mother. Yeah. But she doesn't lose her edge. And I actually, I don't know if she is, she's not Gru's ball buster. She is totally cool girl with him. Yes. And with the girls too. Because like she's, like she still is never hard on them. Except right? for that one moment. The one moment that like, oh, was a mistake. Yeah, right. And right. then Margot, and then she she corrects for it by then like Music being hard violence. on the exterior force who comes right. to deal with like the comeuppance, the karma of that moment. Yeah. Um. But like even when, like the closest thing to ball busting, I guess, is when she is like, after she rescues Gru, and then she's like, and you'll never go like behind my back again, right? Right. But that's like, Okay, I'm gonna go way far out of my way to like rescue you, mm-hmm. and then I'll and then like I'm just gonna be like, okay, as long as you don't do it again, it's fine. Right. Um. But everything up until that moment is so like accommodating and on his terms, yeah. and like, don't worry about it. Like, we'll go, we'll go entertain ourselves, and like, you right. have brother time and whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she's not really. A ball buster <laughs> for him. But she is a <laughs> but she's tax machina. She is sure. the, yeah, she's still the one that sweeps, slides in. To She seems like the hyper-competent woman. Yeah. Right? Like that's, that's her trope. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's klutzy, so she's not intimidating and she's lovable. Right, exactly. That is that little Yeah, she's, she has her little, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not fatal. It's just quirky. Yeah. It's just an idiosyncrasy. When I was watching, I was watching The Circle, yeah. and the first season, there was this, like, model who was just, she was, like, the first one out. She was just, like, so unlikable. She she was like, I, I'm, 
I hope people will believe who I am because like I really am this pretty guys and like I am a model and so like mm. and she starts this chat at the beginning that's like it's called pretty girl no it's called skinny girl chat Ew. and then she's like hey we're all pretty girls so I thought I'd like start this chat and, <laughs> uh, been, and then she gets out then she gets like voted yeah. out and she's like it's because I'm so pretty and like they didn't believe I was me. It's like, no, it's because you're a bitch. Because yeah. you're a shallow bitch. Um, but she... Clearly what, lacking in self-awareness. Yeah. And <laughs> at the beginning, she like describes herself as... Cla- She's like, hey, so like I'm a model and I'm like this beautiful, but like it's okay because like I'm totally a klutz. So like, oh. you know, I have these like... I Like I'm not perfect guys. And it's just oh like, you don't even know that like that that's exactly what Feeding you're supposed to say stereotype <laughs> of it right yeah oh this little minor that flaw was designed for you by males yeah. <laughs> right oh you're approachable oh you need protection yeah from yourself you clutch. yeah <laughs> can't be trusted don't oh, worry we'll take gosh. care of you darling Sorry. yeah yeah mm-hmm. so yeah so despicable mm-hmm. me is pretty darn misogynist yeah. and and queer phobic and transphobic and yeah cool and uh <laughs> perpetuates uh some racialized othering for sure <laughs> for sure let's not forget about that so it's just hitting all the key yeah so no the wonder why it was a surprise hit yeah no wonder why everyone loved it can't get enough give us more give us offshoots not just the minions oh god i'm curious to see this fourth one i know Is even the fourth we'll one have to do a special us. episode when yeah. it comes out oh my god we can go see it in theaters together yeah no time. it's already out oh it is I had a student who wrote it up in their year in review for writing for Pop oh my god did so you read like, the review? I did, but I read I a lot of it. I thought it was coming out in 2024. Wait, it's not just Big Me 4? There's what? another one. Because there's like See, a million that's the others. Thing. So it's hard to know. Is it 4? It's not yeah. 4 because Minions no. is its own. The Minions, like, that's, I, I treat that as non-canon. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I feel like that's just like the filler movies. Yeah, these while are the we're waiting videos. for the big ones. Yeah. <laughs> but Despicable Me 4 is the one that's being directed by the White Lotus guy. Oh my um, gosh. And so that one I think we definitely need to see and I talk about, so. even though I'm sure it's going to be, I bet it's going to be bad. Mm. Just because it's going to be 4. Like, I mean, at a certain point, you've already squeezed all the juice out of the yeah. fruit. Yeah, maybe Agnes is going to be a teenager, but how could you get rid of lovable child Agnes? They're not Agnes? going to like, grow yeah. up. They're not yeah. going to grow up. They are the Simpsons children. Yeah, yeah, right. Because they look exactly the same in all three. Right, like they all do. They're still wearing They're the same exact to... outfits. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they haven't changed their clothes yet. Yeah, yeah. The color imagery that you were talking about with like grew in all black, drew in all white. Like, yeah. I guess I don't. Also, Drew's weird. Gatsby. Drew is white Gatsby. suit and gold car yes. and like rich daddy and yeah. well he he's yeah. what he's who Gatsby's trying to pretend to be yes <laughs> exactly exactly yeah but yeah. he's also fake right he also mm-hmm. like pretends to be a pig farmer yeah and then he has he's this the nefarious like this, that's like Marie Antoinette yeah and that Marie Antoinette is alluded to so much in The Great Gatsby hmm. like you know she had I remember because I, I went to Versailles and like toured the grounds and she had this whole hamlet built so she could pretend to be poor wow. and she would like you know have the have the actual servants like milk the goats and milk everyone and then she would like come in and have the fruits of it and pretend like she was some poor person like her own her own personal poverty porn <laughs> Jesus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah uh yeah so yeah that's that's totally what drew is doing but i feel like it's also the like 
evil down below and like good and impeccable and shining purity up above with the like soft pink farm animals is like the most the innocent cover. thing you can imagine. But he's got the layer below. But he's got the evil layer below. Yeah. 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 Also, I mean, it's just meant to like kind of pick at Gru's feelings of inadequacy, right? right. Because he's got the hair and yeah. he's got whatever else. Yeah. He, has. he had the daddy. He had yeah. dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, daddy issues. Yeah. And the dad is never like, I mean, okay, this is really going to go off topic and tangential but that was like the a kind of unifying feature of the Marilyn Monroe film Blonde of Mm -hmm. like being told this is your father this is your father he's not here um and then her mother was horribly abusive and was like and the reason he doesn't love me anymore is because you are here (laughs) like it was this whole thing but it was always this elusive image of her wanting father wanting daddy well that's exactly what Gru's mom said was he died of heartbreak after you were born Ooh, ooh, that's or died of disappointment. Died of disappointment. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So classic abusive mother stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Women. Jeez, they're horrible. Terrible. (laughs) Especially those mother types. I wish they could all be five-year-old girls. Right. If only all women were five-year-old. Yeah. Just looking for their little phallus. Those (laughs) sillies. Good luck. Well, I think we did a pretty good job with this one. I, I think, think we're so. ready. I think we're ready to move, move out on. of this canon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, things. wait, wait. Oh, last yeah. thing. Just the fact that the minions were painted white at the end. <gasps> when oh. they <laughs> when they went off with, with Drew, because oh. he was like, I want to be evil. And he's like living yeah. with the minions. And then they go and he's wearing his white suit. Oh, That's interesting. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> oh, white face. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I think I think that I think that we're ready for some sound of music and some grease yes. next. Yes. And I think yeah, feminist lens is probably gonna be helpful. Be here. the primary one, I would mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's been so long since I've seen Grease. I'm excited to rewatch yeah. Olivia Newton John. Yeah. John Travolta. Oh, this is going to be a good one because it was so formative. This was like my elementary school version of Sex and the City that taught me about relationships before I was old enough. (laughs) It was my sister's. I remember her watching it on repeat so much. Yeah. When she was younger, when she was probably in elementary school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was elementary school. I was third grade. This was my first elementary school. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. Yay. Well, until next time. Yes. That was weird. That was weird. That was weird. That was weird.